everybody to All About Windows Phone Insight Podcast 104. We're recording this on Tuesday, the 22nd of July, 2014, um, almost a week after some big news, which we'll come to in a moment. First of all, hello to Rafe Blanford. Hello, everybody. Yes, we're at number 104. I guess just before the Commonwealth Games opens in Glasgow, Tour de France <laughs> getting to its last week. But we're here to talk about Windows Phone. Well, yes, Windows Phone and related companies, I That's guess. Right. It was about a day or so after we recorded the last Insight podcast, and actually before the podcast was aired, we had some rather big news from Microsoft. Um, now, just to go back a bit, Rafe, September 2013, we, uh, Nokia was... Uh, announced that uh, it was going to be bought out, or the devices and so the devices division of Nokia was to be bought out by Microsoft, and 32,000 employees were mentioned, um, spread across numerous plants and factories and so forth. Um, we then got to April tw- this year, 2014, and the number quoted was 25,000. Um, I, I come, come to that in a moment. Maybe, maybe there was just some people perhaps, uh, who've just decided to leave. They don't want to be part of Microsoft or maybe that the, so presumably some of those who were going to move decided to stay with the Nokia and the here division, et cetera. Yeah. I, I and, think the big reason for that was actually the Chennai factory in India, which employs, I think, between six and seven thousand people. And that actually uh, gives you the uh, difference between the 25 and the 32,000 figure. But it's actually a, one that's worth bearing in mind. Because actually a lot of Nokia's employees are actually in the factories. Something we'll come back to later in the podcast. Yeah. yeah. So then we've got 25,000 employees uh, to go across to Microsoft April 2014. And most of them then duly did and acquired Microsoft.com email addresses, etc. Although I suspect that most of the professionals we know, um, people who are highly skilled in the design part of Nokia, I suspect they'll be okay in terms of redundancies. But Microsoft did announce um, late last week that 12,500 of those Nokia employees, so basically half of the Nokia employees who transferred to Microsoft, will be made redundant over the next 12 months. And I'm guessing, Ray, this is... More to do with the, the, the positions within Nokia were duplicating existing positions within Microsoft. And there simply was that you couldn't have two people doing the same job and they had to have some, some slimming down. Yes, that's definitely one of the factors. I mean, even if you just look at what activities each company was carrying out, you can look at something like the developer program or the sales program or developer evangelism. And clearly there are going to be jobs that are duplicated I think the second factor in here is there's um, it's a rather weasel word, but sort of rescaling of the company in that uh, Nokia isn't producing the number of smartphones it has done or even mobile phones more generally. And it's already gone through a bit of this, uh, but you don't need so many people if you're not selling so many devices. Um, Obviously there's not a direct correlation here, but I think that's certainly a factor as well. And incidentally, we should probably say that, on the Microsoft side, there's actually 18,000 job losses altogether, you know, one of the biggest ever job cuts by Microsoft. So, you know, there's 5,500 which are, are not related to uh, uh, Nokia, although one suspects at least some of those are duplication where Nokia employees are, or ex-Nokia employees are staying around rather than, uh, you know, the Microsoft side of things. Um, I think the third factor that we have to look at, though, is also the decision that Microsoft has made as part of this is to essentially uh, shut down feature phones or rather new developments of feature phones. They've they've used the phrase, put it into maintenance mode. So this means things like the Azure devices, and in particular, it's the devices that sit between the sort of, uh, let's say, $30 and $80 mark that have been the Nokia X line of Android devices, but also the Series 40 Nokia 
knock it out of full touch in some of the QWERTY devices and potentially some of the others were effectively being shut down. And although the development teams for those were a lot smaller than for Lumia and for the smartphone range, it was not insignificant. A lot of that work was going up in places like Ulu, for example, and also in Beijing. And both those centres are sort of being wound down. I think there's about a thousand job losses in uh, Finland itself. And a lot of those, I think, will be from those teams and and where there's duplication as well. Obviously, that's a, a big change, and we might talk about kind of why that's happened and our, our thoughts on it. Um, but effectively, because of those three reasons, uh, the, that adds up to a sort of twelve and a half thousand job losses. I don't think anyone was surprised that um, this was going to happen, but perhaps the scale and kind of the speed of it did come as a bit of a surprise. It's not really possible to put sort of a figure on each one of those. I suspect the duplication uh, issue is probably smaller than we might imagine. Uh, I think the Rescaling of uh, factories is probably bigger than people imagine. I mentioned earlier there's 7,000 in Chennai. Uh, Microsoft has talked about the way it's going to wind down production in a couple of places, Brazil, uh, sorry, uh, China being one of them, uh, and that some of the factories are actually going to shift over to doing some Microsoft hardware products because they do a big range of accessories and obviously things like Xbox as well. Um, there aren't you know crystal clear details on all of this. It's uh, A lot of this is kind of reading between the lines. But I would imagine that probably anything up to half of those 12,500 are actually going from factories in various places around the world. And then a couple of thousand are probably, as I say, from this uh, the feature phone being wound down. Because these are job losses that are going to be spread over anything up to the next 18 months. And while obviously Microsoft is going to continue to sell the existing line of feature phones, if it's not developing any new ones um, and just sort of maintaining the existing ones, those products, just as with smartphones, made you know 12 to 18 months sometimes even longer before they actually come onto the market and so you know, the people who were doing that and who might have been doing it for future products will will no longer be doing so um yeah. that's where the number numbers come from and uh if you then compare what's left you know the the twelve and a half thousand you're actually pretty similar in scale to a lot of other uh smartphone manufacturers you know the likes of uh, Motorola, perhaps even HTC, and also Sony's mobile division. Um, Samsung still employs a lot more people, but obviously they're doing a lot more devices. But actually, if anything, Nokia, um, in terms of the mobile phone section, was probably um, overstaffed. And that was, I think, a legacy of the fact that it had a lot of staff when it was in a better market position. You know, you can't get away from the fact that it's selling a much smaller portion of mobile device than it was even five years ago. And there's already been some pretty brutal cuts and we you know, effectively were left at probably 25% of of where they were in terms of uh, employee numbers looking at the mobile phones bit. But actually, that's actually not that far off from where their kind of sales and market share is now. Um, that's a very hard-headed and rather brutal way of looking at it. Uh, it's easy to forget sometimes the human impact of all of this. And it certainly is the end of an era uh, for Nokia uh, or what is now, you know, Microsoft mobile devices. So I I definitely had mixed feelings when I heard about this news. Yeah. I I did point out in my editorial that I I couldn't quite make out whether these cuts would be the absolute saving of Microsoft and Windows Phone or, or ultimately perhaps an omen of, of 
ongoing doom. It really is. It's difficult to tell at this stage. Obviously, in a few years' time, with hindsight, we'll be able to say, oh, it went this way, it went that way. But obviously, any company that has that is overstaffed and needs to cut costs and needs to trim down and become more efficient, then it's a good idea to do so. But as you say, at the same time, it sends negative um, messages out to the media, to the industry. There's the impact on the human lives, as you say. So it really is possible to see this from both angles, Rafe. It, it is. And you know, make no mistake, this kind of thing has a big morale impact. But you probably have to, you know, measure that against the fact that it's already gone through an acquisition which has been very painful for Nokia and for Finland. So I wonder how much of an impact you, you can have there. And, you know, when I talked about it not being a surprise, um, it wasn't what was perhaps a surprise with kind of the pretty brutal decision by Microsoft. They've effectively gone... We're not interested in the feature phone business. But if you look at where Microsoft core business is, it, it makes absolute sense because they're interested in the smartphones and selling their services, their products on top of those devices. Now, they will, of course, look to make money from the devices, but they can see as well as anyone uh, where the market's going in terms of hardware. You know, it is becoming commoditized. And actually, the way you make money is the kind of revenue on top of the devices from the services and this is the idea of maybe office 365 subscriptions uh, potentially other software subscriptions as well app stores enterprise system yeah app stores whether that's a lot leader or not is probably uh open to debate (laughs) but certainly that's an important part of it but also the sale of music sale of video uh, and you know being part of the microsoft ecosystem you know they have a chance to make revenue from those users in all sorts of ways and so you know, it makes perfect strategic sense for Microsoft to do this. It's it's very harsh from the viewpoint of you know some of the long term Nokia staff, particularly those working in the feature phones. But you know, let's look at feature phones for just a moment. Uh, Nokia was still making money from it, and Microsoft, I think it's probably fair to say, is making money from it at the moment. Still selling a lot of devices by far and away the majority of device sales. You know, sixty million plus a quarter. The vast majority of the devices that Nokia sells each year sit in that category. But the, uh, you know, the relative profit per device is, is low and getting lower and that average price has been dropping and it's really being squeezed by smartphones getting cheaper and cheaper, mostly by Android, uh, but also it's starting to happen for Windows Phone. And we kind of wondered at the time when we were talking about the Nokia X launch, you know, what would make you buy that over something like the Lumia 520 when in a lot of markets, very similar pricing. That trend is just going to continue. And so that size of that feature phone market was going to get smaller and smaller. And it, it, it's not that it's sort of an oversimplification to say Microsoft has kind of cut their losses here, but you can quite clearly see where the trend's going. Now, is there going to be a gap between the cheapest smartphone and sort of really basic phones? Maybe, but it's going to be very hard to occupy that space, and it's not part of uh, Microsoft's yeah. core business. And so what they you know stated that they're going to do is they're actually going to take some of the Nokia X Android line and turn them into... Lumia devices, it's not difficult because the hardware is very similar. It's something we remarked on when they, they came out. And so some of the models that have been in development will effectively be repurposed for that and, you know, it'll be around cheap materials. So expect something akin to the Nokia X to come out maybe as the Lumia 330 or the 430 or, or something in yeah. that order. Um, and of course, I think Microsoft will keep on selling the basic phones. And I'm talking things like the, the Nokia 103, the 105. Uh, for a long time to come simply because you know they can do that and run that business at relatively low cost and just the production of those devices and there's always going to be some demand for those very very simple phones but that feature phone or the quasi smartphone it's the kind of asher 
and Nokia X tend to get known as made a lot of sense. And if you turn it around, look at it purely from a software point of view, it was completely crazy that Microsoft would have these multiple platforms, Windows Phone, yeah. Android um, X or the X platform, Series 40 in several variants. And so why have five or six platforms when you're competing against Android, which is occupying that same price point with just one platform? Now, I, I do think there'll be potentially problems around trying to make it stretch across you know, $50 to uh, $500, $700 devices. I disagree there, Rafe. Actually, I know we've talked many times in this podcast about how good the 520 is, how astonishingly, astonishingly good the 520 is at the very bottom end, and how insanely good, for example, the 1020 and the 1520 are at the high end. And I see absolutely no reason why Windows Phone can't span that whole gamut. Well, there you go. And I mean, <laughs> I, I want to agree with you because honestly, the evidence at the moment says that it can. It, it just strikes me if you look at the Android world, some of the lowest end devices. The experience is significantly different to the high end and how you manage that from a, a software engineering viewpoint and maintain the consistency of experience and what the consumer expects to receive. Um, honestly, I, I would love to be proved wrong, but just looking back at some of the history of uh, smartphone platforms, it was one of the issues that plagued Symbian. Arguably, it plagued Palm OS as well. So I, I think we'll have to wait and see on that one. That's going to be the challenge. But honestly, it's a lot simpler trying to do it with one platform than with trying to do it with five platforms, which, you know, it made for a messy developer strategy because what were developers supposed to do? Um, you know, produce apps three or four times to target all Nokia devices, and they just didn't have the volume to justify doing that. And so moving to an entirely Windows phone strategy, apart from tying with the Microsoft vision, which makes absolute sense, simplifies things from a, a device point of view. And honestly, it's probably where, Nokia, even if they'd remained independent, would have had to look at going in, you know, in the next few years, because as I say, there's that diminishing market for feature phones. Uh, Microsoft, I think, has been quite brave or brutal, depending on which, you know, which description you want to use. And sort of in the bullet and said, no, we do this now because actually that's what our, our core thing is about. And in that sense, I think it's probably really good news for Windows Phone because it allows a focus and it's a, you know, a brave business decision that sort of says, this is our core focus. This is where we're going. And so, I mean, maybe it's putting all your eggs into one basket in one sense, but actually it's the basket that has legs and might go somewhere, whereas the sort of feature phones were almost a, a distraction that were going to tail off, maybe not to nothing, but to very small and not being part of your, your core business. And so it very much reflects the different priorities that the Microsoft leadership team would have compared to what was the, the Nokia leadership team. And that was kind of reflected in some of the language around it. And it was interesting with news of these job losses came various internal memos and some leaks to <laughs> see some commentary around the fact that Microsoft was going to put a lot of effort into the high end. Um, Nokia's always sort of done very well in the low and mid tier, but maybe underinvested in the high end, it feels like, Stephen. So be interesting to see what happens at that high end. Um, they talked about how it will be tied into future Windows releases, and that means kind of the next version of Windows Phone or the next major one and tying in with the threshold uh, version for windows as well so i mean do you think we'll see more investment in that high end and what that will mean for the kind of devices we see in the future uh, i certainly hope so i did get into trouble today on on all about windowsphone.com <laughs> i did an editorial about the 1020 uh, and looking back to some of nokia's previous camera phones and i did suggest that in the current climate mid 2014 i didn't see any 
1020 successor coming along, which got a lot of 1020 fans rather hot under the collar. But I was pointing out that 1020 will still get another year or year and a half's worth of updates, and it's still a cracking device. Um, in terms of other high-end devices, the 1520 is still got masses of legs to go. And in terms of software updates, there's a long way that hardware can go well into the next year. I think it will we'll certainly have a six-month or so gap before something else really high-end gets announced, though I don't see it happening in the, the early part of the autumn. This is kind of a iPhone season, isn't it, <laughs> for the med- tech media. I would hope there'll be some sniff of a new high-end Windows phone sometime bef- just before Christmas, maybe, or maybe being announced at Mobile World Congress. Maybe that's the sort of time frame we should be looking at. Well, I actually disagree because some of the commentary actually suggested there will be new high-end devices soon. There's always a little bit of a, a question around what the definition of high end here is, but I, I do expect to see some things maybe in the September, October timeframe, but then there will be a gap and that may well not coincide with Mobile World Congress. It might be just a bit later. Uh, sort of there's, Microsoft hasn't given any official information on kind of the next big update, but it's sort of thought to be kind of spring, uh, next year and it will be late spring, um, much as we had with kind of Windows Phone 8.1 and Windows 8.1 coming out. Uh, so I think we'll see something in the sort of the short term and maybe it's possible we'll see a 1020 successor then, but I actually wouldn't, um, I'd hold out some hope that it might come. I mean, I read Steve's editorial and I can see the point that he's making, but I think there's a, every chance there'll actually be a couple of devices at the high end, um, rather than kind of the pattern we've had recently of one and then kind of a couple of surrounding product categories, you know, the 1520 being kind of the fabulous example and the 1020 the camera example. I wonder if we might not see that again, but on a more regular product cycle, uh, because Microsoft says it wants to compete at the high end. And that's, that's to my mind is how it could effectively do it by sort of offering a bit of specialization. It's kind of what Samsung have done in a sense, but if you can sort of steer a middle ground between that and what uh, Apple is doing, I, I think there's a great deal of potential there. And actually even Apple is going to the model of maybe having a, you know, a small and a bigger phone if you look at the kind of speculation around iPhone 6. Mm. But it'll be really interesting to watch. Um, what interests me most in some ways is what happens in the, in the mid-tier because we've sort of said a couple of times, actually we feel often the best value phones are around that category. You, you can get some real stonking value at the low end, but often they make one too many compromises. But I wonder if we might not see another phone in the mould of something like the 720 or even the 820, which maybe doesn't have the top-end camera module and doesn't have the perfect screen, but still has a you know a lot of potential and maybe shaves the cost off. I mean, the 930 almost falls into that category on its own, given that the sort of high street price is about £100 less than the flagships on the other platform. Or £200 less if you go to pay-as-you-go. I saw the 930 at £330 on pay-as-you-go this week. Exactly. I think that's with three in the UK, one of our operators. Absolutely amazing value for what's a you know, brand-new flagship device. And actually, as we've you know, said, very capable. I've really enjoyed using it in the last week. And the 1520 is similarly a terrific value. And because those devices are, are the most recent generation of the hardware, you can guarantee they're going to get the next big update and quite possibly even the one after that. And so there's a lot of value to be had in those devices, particularly if they kind of meet your requirements elsewhere. The other thing that this underlines is Microsoft is going to be putting a lot of investment into Windows Phone and into the devices. There was, you know, some speculation with obviously the new CEO coming in. Was he sort of going to maybe be a bit half-hearted about it? I actually think this decision and these job losses actually spell out just how keen they are to make the Windows Phone thing work. They're bringing it right into the 
the heart of the company by sort of, you know, if if you like, there is no second option here. They could maybe have uh, kept the Nokia X and the Android stuff around if they were thinking, I don't know, spinning it off or going for another going for an Android-based platform, but they're really nailing their colours to the mast. It's all about Lumiere. It's all about Windows Phone. Um, not really intending to do that pun there. But, uh, <laughs> it, you know, it, it's one of those moments where you sort of go, actually, it's really interesting about what it signals for the future. At the same time, I think there's a lot of probably Nokia's traditional fans will be really disappointed by this announcement and will sort of think that Microsoft has, it's a stab in the back. But actually, I think, it's just one more chapter in the story of Nokia had already suffered terribly. And where exactly you pin the blame, you know, you, we've talked over this ad infinitum. I actually think this is something that needed doing and being, you know, wielding that scalpel brutally is probably in the best interest of continuing to see um, devices from the kind of the Nokia school or the design and then obviously Windows phone onwards. If it hadn't been like this, it probably would have been sort of a gradual terminal decline which would arguably have been even worse to watch. Yeah. So in summary, we can summarize. It's, it's This is all good for Microsoft. It's good for Windows Phone and obviously bad for the employees concerned who we feel very sorry for. But overall, it had to be done. I think you've summarized it quite well there. Yeah. yeah. I, I, the only thing I would say about feature phones is people have written them off um, for some time now, and they've actually lasted, I think, longer than a lot of people were expecting even in the face of smartphones getting cheaper faster than people were expecting. And that is around, you know, ease of use and battery life. Uh, perhaps Windows Phone could find a niche there, at least on the ease of use side. The battery life is, is still a, an issue for me. And certainly I've carried around uh, an Ashley device purely because the battery lasts three or four times as long as on a smartphone. Now, maybe because I'm using it less or using less data on it, but that was an important factor for me. And so just one, one thing I'd, keep an eye on for the future yeah and while rafe get drags a, a, a swig of water for his ailing throat there um i did wonder about your 9 30 about one and a half weeks on or so rafe now you, I, i've been i did the review and i kind of put it to one side i did notice there's been a, a, a minor firmware update during the week and i applied that hoping desperately it would fix some of the graphical issues i had for example low res uh, rendering of photographs in the web browser they all seem to be still there so presumably this, this firmware update was something more fundamental perhaps to do with battery life or connectivity but uh overall my, i still have mixed feelings about the 930 it it at 330 pounds on pairs you go you really can't argue it probably 437 free you really can't argue it's not the all singing all dancing flash flagship i think many people would want to have seen what's your verdict i haven't had it as your main device though for just over a week i'm actually more positive than i was a week ago because I, I, it feels like a more complete package and maybe some of the things i was concerned about like glance screen turned out to be less of an issue once I yeah. kind of got used to using it. Um, and I, the design has grown on me, and I actually quite like going around with a bright orange phone. It certainly <laughs> generates a lot of comments, and people wonder what it is that's sitting on your desk or you know, you're holding in your hand. And so I guess that's been a positive aspect for me. Long term, would, would I still feel the same way? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, it's also you know, running Windows Phone 8.1, not just to develop a previous sort of out of the device and i just have to kind of remind myself when i went back to using windows phone 8 device how much of a step forward that is and for consumers that will be a factor because people won't necessarily be running uh, the developer preview so my overall view is actually probably be more positive especially when i've seen kind of the pricing and the discussion 
around that. Um, the one thing that's probably worth flagging up as an issue that people may or may not be aware of is some people have found their devices got very hot in certain situations. It hasn't, for me, been something that's come off all that often or, or not more than I get with other devices. I mean, I think everyone's familiar with if you're using your smartphone intensively, uh, particularly around situations like video or other processor intensive tasks, it, they, they can warm up and get quite hot in the hand. I think the uh, 930 exacerbates that some by being a metal frame. It's like other metal smartphones can, can feel very hot. I don't think there's any definitive answer on this. Some people say that it seems to be related to the Bluetooth, not something that I really noticed. I think, if anything, it's probably related to um, the aerials when you're on cellular connectivity. And if you're doing a lot of 3G or 4G data consumption, it, it may well warm up. I haven't noticed that all that much, probably because a lot of my data consumption has been over Wi-Fi and it didn't seem to have the same effect. Uh, but I've definitely noticed the thermal issues a bit more. I think that, for me at least, is down to, um, you know, the, say, the metal design. But for others, they're saying, you know, it's a real issue. It's too hot to hold. And just something to, to flag up for people looking at purchasing or thinking about purchasing uh, this device. They may want to look into that a little more. And we'll try and report back if we get a definitive answer. I have uh, asked a couple of people to provide some more information, but nothing uh, formal back on that yet. The other thing is, uh, in the UK at least, we had a, a special offer. I understand that that's now out of stock in most places. So you still get a pretty good deal because you will still get a wireless charger in the box, but you won't get the wireless speaker and extra wireless charger with it. Um, you will still get the app voucher for £20, as yeah, it's been common for quite a lot of the Lumia devices in the UK this year. Okay. Uh, just on the subject of temperature, I mean, people have moaned about this in the 930. Um, but in honesty, I've tried most smartphones from most manufacturers over the last few years, and an awful lot of them get very hot when you do a lot of things. For example, all of my Samsung Galaxies, I've tried every single one. When I've played something like Real Racing or uh, one of my various simulation games that I love, flight simulators that work the processor and the GPU really hard, after five or ten minutes playing, the, the back of the phone where the processor is is really hot. And I think in most cases, whichever manufacturer's phone you're using, it's more to do with the materials of the phone um, and how well they conduct heat out from that processor, which is going to get hot whichever platform you're on, as to how well you, you know, how, how badly you, you appreciate that there, there is heat there. If a phone's they've got so much plastic in the way you don't feel that heat, then you think, oh, well, this phone hasn't got a problem. If a phone's got pr uh, either the processor close to the surface or pretty good thermal conductance, all of a sudden you've got a situation where you can feel how hot it's getting. But that's actually a good thing because you're wicking heat away from the center of the phone through your hands and into the outside world. So uh, swing, swings and roundabouts, really. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I certainly remember some devices, the N8, the Symbian device, being a good example that tended to feel a lot hotter than other devices, but basically it was an all-metal design. And it, it, it's certainly not just the, the Lumia 930. It's just there has been some commentary about this. And I think the other thing to point out is that some sometimes devices do seem to get stuck in the loop in which case, where they do warm up and there is potential to damage them. I mean, usually you can solve this by just doing a quick reboot of the phone. So if you do find it getting excessively hot, that can be the thing to do. And actually most of them on the smartphones, if they get too hot, will switch themselves off automatically as a, as a safety measure. Um, and in the summer, obviously, when you tend to have higher temperatures, maybe that's more common. Um, like I said, I can't really speak to this from my own experience because it hasn't been an issue for me. But I was talking to someone else who'd been out and bought a Lumia 930 and they were saying, actually, this device is getting really hot and I'm kind of worried about it. So it, 
I think Steve with his um, science hat on has probably got it spot on there. It may be a perception thing more than anything else, but uh, just flag it up as a, a potential issue, shall we say. Yeah, there's all sorts of clever things that can be done in software. There, and it's a firmware update oh, to change the way the process is used in order to reduce that sort of effect. So, and I'm sure, sh- I'm sure there'll be plenty more uh, <laughs> maintenance updates. Shall we put? Um, I love it in change logs when they say optimizations and um, per- perform stability improvements. What they mean is fixing the bugs, but they never actually use the B words. <laughs> Anyway, um, Cyan, Lumia Cyan, there's a big rollout going on. People will be aware. We posted a story about a week or two ago. We mentioned it in the last podcast. Um, so far, we've only seen it on the Lumia 625 and 925, and things seem to have paused. There have been a, bit, a few problems with um, companies, Rafe, with people with the BitLocker software applied by their IT departments, and then they go out into the wild, and for some reason, they, uh, <laughs> the Lumia Cyan update is being offered to them, even when it shouldn't really, because they, they're supposed to be under lock and key under their IT department. So trying to do the over-the-air update to Lumia Cyan on a bit-locked device, not surprisingly, ends in disaster. And because of this, I gather that uh, uh, certainly the updates of Cyan to the people on the developer preview um, have been paused temporarily. But I, I, these are all just minor hurdles, and I'm sure things will be underway soon enough. Yes, I guess with the complexity of any of these kind of software updates, there's always a chance of glitches. I mean, it's a bit disappointing, and I think you could be critical of, of Microsoft and uh, Nokia for for not picking this up during the testing phase, which has after all been going on for quite some time now. Uh, in, in the corporate environment, yes, I agree. You know, there's a, a separate set of issues there, and it's disappointing for those who are looking forward to getting the uh, software update that it, it's been paused. I suspect this will resume before too long. They'll sort out these these glitches and these these bugs, uh, and once it does, you know, they'll be available on more devices. Um, actually, it's still not really available on many devices even before it halted. Uh, but yes, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on this. And I haven't actually seen the update notification come on any of the devices, but I have even ones that in theory should have got it, haven't got it. So uh, probably a bit more patience is required, which uh, is yeah, yeah. always frustrating for those waiting for it. Yeah, we're not going to be one of those sites that posts a news story when it's available for every single minor variant in every single country. We're not going to f- waste your time, gentle listeners and readers. But when it's when the sign of it hits officially for people on stock, i.e. not developer preview, 1020s and 1520s in particular, I think those are probably major enough devices that we will at least report it in the flow column. And I'm expecting that to happen in the next uh, one to two weeks. So yeah, watch this space. I think that's right. And if people do want to check it out, there is listings on Nokia.com. And you can actually get your device to check for a, a, an update manually. Otherwise, it will be checking, uh, I think it's every seven days. And so generally, you'll get this update pretty soon after it you know, becomes available, goes live on the server. Um, I, I guess some people need feel the need to check for it uh, every day. <laughs> um, and the, the best way to do that is check to see whether it's available and then do a manual update through uh, the settings software update section of Windows Phone. Yeah, and of course, one of the reasons why these uh, rollouts take place over weeks uh, rather than hours is the very fact that we've seen here where a problem gets picked up um, before it causes problems to 99% of the user base. If they'd rolled out this update and all of a sudden um, we'd had uh, a million Lumia owners under company ownership all had bricked phones overnight, then there'd have been a major disaster. As it was, it was a few rep- problem reports and Microsoft looking into it and fixing it. So that's why these things are deliberately staggered. Google is exactly the same thing with with Android. If you, For example, if you, I follow Android sites and they say, oh yes, Google Maps has been updated and I'm, I w- wait there for four or five days until it hits my device. And it's because, again, 
and I think randomly, according to serial number or IMEI, Google staggers the rollouts. It happens with any company, any operating system, any application, because the manufacturers, the developers want to see what happens. And if there's a problem, they want to catch it early and then fix it. So I think it will make sense. Yeah, I, I still think uh, better testing could sometimes be done. There are <laughs> examples of, you know, perfect software rollouts, but uh, I guess you have to give a, a certain amount of sort of a break to the hardworking tester and developer teams. It's very rarely quite as simple as suggesting they haven't been doing their homework properly. Uh, you yeah. know, there are so many factors involved that it, it's difficult to pin it down or indeed a, a assign blame. So uh, it goes back to just being patient. Yeah, yeah. Very quickly before we finish, Rafe, I wanted to give a brief shout out to another part of Windows Phone platform, which is not often talked about. We, we there are various modules of Windows Phone. We we got things like Here Maps, which is obvious, and Here Drive, and even Skype. I guess you could consider part of Windows Phone platform now. But there's, for example, there's the OneDrive application, which used to be called SkyDrive. There's the Bing suite of apps, which I I still hate the name Bing, but let's move past that. There's a really quite an impressive set. Of, you know, there's there's health and fitness and food and drink and travel and finance and news and they're all pretty darn impressive once you actually start to get to use them and uh, just a shout out that uh, they've all been updated in the last week um with one of the quite a few uh, functionality improvements especially for the uh, food and drink and the travel uh, uh, components they've all been updated also for single sign-on so basically what they pick up the microsoft authentication from your or your account all you got to do is just tap on i think okay with the first time you go into each application and they're automatically signed in to whatever you're doing in each of those modules tra- travel news health and fitness and so on so yeah so the, even though the core platform we're waiting for a major update right we've got all these uh these ancillary applications which are kind of part of the platform they're being updated at a re- regular rate of knots and with serious improvements it is, and it, it's kind of interesting because it changes the way we think about the platform. And the same thing is happening on Android and iOS, you know, Google Play services and Google Maps being the obvious examples where they're kind of updated independently of the platform. And actually on Android, it's a particularly good thing because otherwise you could wait very long time for updates in some cases. But even Apple has kind of used this methodology you know, for updating uh, certain types of applications. So I think it's really encouraging to see Microsoft go go that way because it's actually something that Nokia did uh, previously with its apps, but that was more because it had to because obviously it wasn't part of the platform. But things like Nokia Camera, for example, uh, got more regular updates than platform things. So people sometimes you know wait patiently for a big platform update, and often the functionality the update you get from an app update can have a bigger impact on the way you use your device. And it, it's interesting that it's particularly happening around these apps which. Uh, are the kind of the cross device experiences. So the idea that you might look at one of the Bing apps on a tablet or a desktop device, you have the settings there around your configured headlines or sports that then obviously sync onto your Lumia device or your windows phone device. And similarly, obviously OneDrive is kind of the, the ultimate example of that cross device content, but it's equally applies to things like Xbox music and yeah. Xbox video. You know, you can buy video content on a, a desktop PC on a tablet and then you know, play it back or stream it back on the, the Lumia device. And it works really effectively. It means you get more regular updates. And one of the kind of good examples of this is actually Bing Health and Fitness, which recently got the update that enabled it to use the information from the Sensor Core SDK. That's something that Nokia originally developed. It's now sort of going into the platform more generally. That gets information from the always-on kind of motion chip that's built into devices like the 1520, the 630, 635, 930, which you know, effectively is an always-on step counter or pedometer. 
Um, it actually collects that information kind of centrally and then other apps can access it. And Bing Health and Fitness is one of the first apps that I'm aware of that actually does that. That kind of sort of thinking makes a lot of sense and actually adds real value that is independent of what we might previously have defined as the Windows Phone platform. But as you say, all of those apps come with Windows Phone kind of they're, they're pre-installed, but then will get updated. And we talked about Xbox Music a lot, getting updates sort of go from a state where, frankly, it wasn't very good at all to the point now where I still don't think it's brilliant and I still uh, prefer mixed radio over it for my music consumption personally, but it's a lot better than it was. And, you know, we've seen in the past various apps get dropped from the platform because there wasn't the time to do them. I think the best example of that was a radio application back in the days of Windows Phone 7.8 and going on to Windows Phone 8. Those sort of things do matter. And obviously, if you have an ability to deliver apps outside the big platform updates, the firmware releases, it's much better for the consumers. Yeah, yeah. I still think Bing's a crazy name. I, I think we should have a, a nice real geek sci-fi name like Vortex Health and Fitness or Proton Travel. Something, you know, something you think, wow, I want to get involved with that. Bing just sounds like some a character out of Friends. Anyway. Something tells me that Steve isn't going to be anywhere near a branding or marketing department anytime soon. Maybe yeah. I'm being... Uh, Overly critical. I, I think <laughs> I, I'm not not a particular fan of um, the Bing branding either. Uh, I wonder whether those might eventually end up being uh, Microsoft News or Microsoft Sport or just Absolutely. news yeah. and sport applications. Um, it, that whole story around Microsoft and online services and, and Microsoft and branding generally, I'm sure people have seen the various uh, video takeoffs of Microsoft having Pro and Plus editions and all that kind of thing. Ultimately, it doesn't matter if they're useful, and Bing News is one of the apps I use on a regular basis because I've set it up to use my preferred kind of sources and headline feeds, um, and it work, works really well. It's kind of an yeah. alternative to something like Google News or a feed reader for kind of everyday news, and I, I still use a feed reader for, for more sort of technical and more custom stuff, but it's a great way of just getting up to date with what's going on in the world um, in, in a few minutes, and similarly for sport. Um, I don't use the health and fitness and some of the other travel apps and things like that so much. But, you know, they will each appeal to their own category. And I think having those generic kind of apps built into the platform actually makes a lot of sense, especially given that Windows Phone you know, doesn't have the healthiest app scene when it's compared to some of its rivals. You know, it's getting better all the time. But having that functionality out of the box and more importantly, consistent with the rest of the platform, you know, does add, add value. And, you know, people sometimes are a bit sniffy about these applications, but they provide that basic level of functionality, which is often good enough, a, a phrase we've used plenty of times on this podcast, but good enough yeah. quite a lot of the time is, is serving the 90% of the audience, or if you want to use Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule, 80% of people will be happy with the Bing News app, and 20% will go and look for something else. Um, that 80% probably doesn't want to go and look for something else because it's more complication than they need. Yeah, yeah. Just one final note as we finish the podcast, uh, an optimistic really looking ahead to to fill the app gap that people do talk about is that quite a few of the developers I've talked about, and I may have mentioned this before on the podcast, are, are waiting for 8.1 to be rolled out because they need that for their applications to work. In particular, there's one, a, a KeyPassX client, which is a secure database. Um, and there, there's a half-hearted one for Windows Phone. It just doesn't work well enough. And the developer says, look, I need Windows Phone 8.1 
on user devices in order to be able to roll out this function and roll out my new version. And I've heard this from so many sources, uh, even the people at Pebble, they've said publicly that we can't do anything with this Pebble smartwatch integration with Windows Phone until we've got more APIs open. And certainly 8.1 is a bare minimum on, on user devices. So uh, ro- roll on the sign up date. And I think we, in a month's time, Rafe, when we record Insight Podcast, whatever it's 108, 109, hopefully most people listening to this will have 8.1 and most users out there in the real world will be. And then all sorts of applications i think uh, can be updated and added to the catalog and i think we'll all be a lot happier i I think that's right and it will probably be a bit of lag time before some of these applications appear but for people looking at creating applications now 8.1 may well be the the specification that they write against and also it's the idea of universal apps coming in whereby if you're a business and going well if i write a universal app i can get it on both windows 8 and on windows phone that will be kind of an added uh, attractor. And I think quite apart from the depth of the API, which is what we're talking about there with functionality, there's, you know, it, it's more in favor of developing Windows Phone apps, as is obviously the fact that there are more Windows Phone devices out in the wild than there were a year ago, the whole 10% level in Europe. There, there's still a lot of work to do there. And I think a lot depends on how well Microsoft can sell devices yeah. in the, the second half of the year. But there's every reason to be optimistic. And certainly if you look at the pattern of app releases you know, over those tw- last 12 months and accelerating in the last six months, things have been uh, a lot better. I think there's always going to be criticism of this app gap on, on Windows Phone. It, it will always be the case if it's, you know, the third platform by market share, it's probably going to be the uh, platform that get, gets developed for third. And that means there always will be times when, company will only develop for one or the first two platforms but uh, i think the probability of getting a windows phone app for any given service or version or whatever we're talking about is much higher now than it was two years one year ago and actually that probability i would expect to increase again in the next six months to a year or even in the next month as i just said yes yes i should say the next month to uh, tie in nicely with what steve was saying yeah. Okay. We're out of time. We always uh, aim, Rave, don't we, to talk for at least half an hour. We never have problems filling the time, but I think we should say goodbye now. So any last words from you? No, I, I think I've said more than enough on this podcast. I know uh, sometimes it can appear my mouth can't keep up with my brain. It certainly felt like it this time round. So thank you for, you for your patience in listening. And uh, I'll hand back to Steve for the usual goodbyes. Yeah, so we do record this late in the evening, in my case, after a, a hot day and a, and a couple of ciders. So if we'd occasionally feel, uh, seem laid back or tired, then we probably are laid back and tired. But uh, we'll catch you next week, hopefully, for another regular Insight podcast. Goodbye for now.